Welcome to the Capital Insight Podcast with Jenny Kasson and Michelle Timish, two capital raising experts on a mission to demystify and equify the world of investment for entrepreneurs and investors alike. Listen in as they sit down with fundraising veterans and share with you the success stories and cautionary tales of outside-the-box capital raising. This is Capital Insight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Capital Insight Podcast. My name is Michelle Timish, and I'm here with my colleague, Jenny Kasson. Today, we're interviewing Tom Aboud, who is a member of Angels of Main Street. Angels of Main Street is an investment club that is open to everyone, the 100%. And Tom is a very interesting person. We'll have him introduce himself and talk to us about his journey into this space and how he came to see the advantages of being a member of a direct investment club like Angels of Main Street. Welcome, Tom. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got involved in this space. Well, thank you, Michelle and Jenny. It's a privilege to be here, and I'm excited to chat a little bit about my evolutionary journey because it really has been for quite a few years. Uh, born and raised in Nebraska, had no clue what stocks and bonds and Wall Street was all about. Moved to Denver in 1974, went to DU University of Denver Law School. Once I had a little bit of money to invest, at that time, the rage was penny stocks. You put a few pennies in here and there, a few dollars, and you try to make a ton of money. Had no idea what I was doing. Then I morphed into uh, using a stockbroker that I played basketball with. Once again, it's like, well, what are you putting the money in? What's this company doing? Oh, don't worry about it. You know, you're going to get a re good return. Well, as I started getting more and more into this and have a little more money to invest, I started researching and socially responsible investing. SRI seemed to be the thing to do. And so I looked around and got a financial advisor, fired my Wall Street stockbroker who I played basketball with moved everything over to social responsible investing and was okay for a while. This was probably back in the, the 90s that I started reading more about investing with your values, aligning your money with your mission and what is the purpose. And so the more I looked at that and the more I looked at the stock market, Wall Street, I, I just got totally disillusioned and very angry about what my money was doing. A lot of the mutual funds that I thought were very socially responsible had companies that I would never invest in if I was investing one-on-one. -on -one. And I found that to be the case with a lot of mutual funds. So I really started diving deeper into, you know, what alternatives are out there led me to a lot of, uh, well, Michael Schumann, who you both know real well, uh, Hazel Henderson, Amy Cortez, you know, just looking at, you know, what is my money doing in Wall Street? I even formed my own folio kind of mutual funds with the financial advisor I was working with because I didn't want to be in oil and gas companies, 
Pepsi, McDonald's, those companies that were really killing people and planet. But then it just became, you know, what is Wall Street all about? What is my money doing? And as Amy Cortez indicated in her book, Local Vesting, you know, 99% of our investments in Wall Street are really speculation. It's really not doing anything. And so I started looking around, you know, are, are there alternatives to Wall Street? And really not being that sophisticated of an investor, never in, had invested in companies direct. It was pretty scary transition, but back in 2011, 2012, I just sat down with my financial advisor and I said, I am just not feeling comfortable with you know, the stock market, what we're in here, even though it's supposedly social responsible. And he said, well, we could do half, take half of it out and you could play with that and then we'll keep the rest of it. And I said, no, if I'm gonna do this, I'm, I'm all in. Uh, what's the purpose of being aligned with Wall Street where I do not have my values and mission. So I had done my research and looked around and became aware of community development, financial institutions, uh, organizations like RSF Social Finance, Cooperative Fund of New England. And I actually joined an angel group called Investor Circle at the time. And I really got an education through Investor Circle and it was great to align and collaborate and invest with, with like-minded souls, even though I still had no clue what I was doing for a number of years. So it was quite an educational process, but I couldn't feel happier and more empowered with the decisions I made, even though back in 2011, 2012, you know, CDFIs were not a, a common name out there. And I'll never forget one. Uh, I really was interested in, in slow money. It was just starting. Woody Tash was uh, the creator of slow money. And he and a local person had a presentation at the Denver Botanical Gardens. And it was really awesome. It really got me fired up about you know, moving the money out of Wall Street, investing locally in the farms and farmers and, and soil health. And I went up to him after the, the session. I said, this is great. How do we do this? He goes, we haven't figured that out yet. So this is something that we can all talk about. And as a result, you know, I became really involved with slow money and became a member of uh, a bolder slow money investment club, which was the first, I think, in the country. And then because I live in Denver, I said, well, I don't want to drive to the Boulder all the every day because of my carbon footprint. We formed one here in Denver, and there were 24 of us. Everybody put in $5,000, and we were okay for about four years, but then it just wasn't sustainable. But we, we moved I figured about $300,000 in loans, and they were pretty much short-term, one to three-year loans, 5% interest. But then as a result of our group, a lot of individuals also invested one-on-one -on -one with the companies, the farmers, the food producers that came in. 
So that was a real learning experience as well. That combined with uh, investor circle and then just getting to know the financial systems more creating this alternative system was really exciting. And it had a lot more equity and justice than Wall Street and Wall Street banks. So in, in a nutshell, you know, what I did, and my passion really started with my relationship to nature and my love of nature and the oil spills like the uh, Valdez, Exxon Valdez in 89. I had been to Alaska several times and that just was heartbreaking to me. And uh, the more I looked at the connection, climate change became a real issue. But I started connecting the dots, climate change, you know, the climate crisis and injustices with our social, financial, environmental, they were all connected. And so that was really an eye opener for me as, as I moved forward. So my mantra became really everything I do is an investment. And uh, a book that I read uh, a few years ago was The Resilient Investor by Hal Brill, oh, yeah. Michael Kramer, and mm -hmm. Christopher Peck. Uh, actually, Hal Brill and his dad and another gentleman maybe 20 years ago wrote Investing with Your Values, which was a one of the first books I read as well. But this book, The Resilient Investor, really expanded, which I was doing, expanding the definition of investing. So I look at everything I do now as an investment, you know, what I drive, how I transport myself, the food I eat, who I buy it from, where I put my money, all of that is really an investment. And to me, it has to be aligned with my values, my mission, and what is it doing to people and planet. So that is really my, my goals is to, you know, live a very low carbon footprint, but make the highest positive impact I can. And yeah. So, so Tom, I want to ask you something, because I think that it is so impressive that you just took this so seriously. I think so many people, you know, more than half of the people in our country have investments, uh, mostly on Wall Street. And I think many of them have come to similar conclusions that you did, that they're not thrilled <laughs> with what their money is doing in the world. And, you know, I I agree. If you look even in the socially responsible funds, I mean, they're in a PepsiCo is a famous one to be in all those funds and Amazon. I actually was looking at, um, you know, some of those portfolios and it's like, what you consider those social, socially responsible businesses. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. I know there's so many people who would love to do what you did, but they're scared, you know, and their financial advisor tells them not to. So I just want to ask, can we just get to brass tacks in terms of your returns? Um, you know, I know it's wonderful that you feel really good about what your money's doing in the world, but what would you say about your returns compared to whether you had just left your money in those Wall Street investments? Well, I look at ROI as regeneration on investment. So you have to look at the total picture. You can't just look at financial returns. 
And more and more people are looking at that. A lot of these community investments and CDs and CDFIs that help underserved communities, you know, it's anywhere from 0.5% to 3% financial return. But instead of- That's way better than what Wall Street has been doing. Well, (laughs) and you look at, okay, how many affordable housing units have been created? How many jobs have been created or preserved? You know, how many loans are going to those that really don't qualify with Wall Street banks? So it's, it has to be a paradigm shift of what investment means. And it's not just financial return, although that's what most financial advisors and most investors are looking for. Uh, I've read a lot about the returns maybe have to be negative returns because we dug ourselves in such a deep hole, climate-wise and equity-wise, that reparations-wise, we need to right the ship. And until everyone is whole, then we've got serious problems going forward. Tom, do you have an example of a a direct investment that you made that you could share a little bit about in terms of you know, how that went and and the return or whether that's something still going on? Because people like to have, you know, kind of tangible examples of the kind of investing you're talking about. Well, a lot of, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in diversification. So I, as simple as certif- certificates of deposit in places like self-help credit union and, uh, you know, basically... A great investment I just made last week was a certificate of deposit in Native American Bank, which is here in the Denver metro area. And that money is going to go serving basically Native American communities all around the U.S. You know, those are real simple. Then you've got Cooperative Fund of New England. But, you know, those are more direct investments into funds. But uh, a great example of some local investments is I, I put solar on my house a number of years ago, used a employee-owned cooperative called Namaste Solar, who maybe you, you two have heard about, Blake, Blake Jones, who has also started a cooperative he's, investment. He's group. been a guest on our podcast. Oh, there you yeah, go. I definitely so, recommend people check it out. So... Uh, this is probably about seven or eight years ago that Namaste was looking for investors to invest in Namaste in in kind of a bond situation. And so to me, that was a no brainer. It was like, hey, I've used these people. They're great. It's a cooperative. So put in $25,000 there and the returns there have been averaging from six to 8%, which is way above a lot of the community funds. So that's one example. Another example is our, uh, my church, First Universalist Church of Denver. We put a massive renovation together about four years ago. And a group of us were adamant that we, if we did this project, we had to have solar and geothermal and be 100% renewable. Well, our board of trustees, that was way more than the budget. So we formed a group of our church members that made community investments 
15 years of one and a half percent, and we raised $250,000 to go towards purchasing geothermal and solar panels. And the beauty of that is the, the amount of money that the church is paying us lenders is the same amount of money that we were paying for utilities before we did the renewals. So it was a net zero for the church in terms of increased costs. That is so amazing. So um, I'd love to ask from the perspective of an entrepreneur who's highly mission-driven, could possibly pay good returns, you know, like Namaste Solar, I know does pay to their investors. Um, and, you know, many highly mission-driven companies can pay reasonable returns, but sometimes they have trouble figuring out how to find investors because so many kind of mainstream investors are more interested in, you know, looking for those crazy, you know, 10x in five years type returns, <laughs> or at least the possibility of that happening. Of course, you know, that's a bet that usually they lose. But from the perspective of an entrepreneur, what would you tell a highly mission-driven entrepreneur about how to find investors like you uh, who might be interested in supporting them? Well, that's, I mean, that is a, a trick and aligning the entrepreneur with patient capital and investors. But, you know, Investor Circle was really a good forum for that. And they had a lot of showcases, but I believe that has now kind of morphed into the American Sustainable Business Network. But those kind of entities and, you know, angels on Main Street, you know, it's, but that's what we have to do as investors is get the word out as, as much as possible. And, you know, I've, I've done a number of presentations just, you know, here locally, and it looks like we're going to be doing, uh, doing some more, more nationally, but they're going to be focused more on CDFIs because a lot of investors have to crawl before they walk, before they run. And when I've done these presentations, it's, it's scary for a lot of people to be moving their money out of Wall Street. Heaven knows why, because most people equate Wall Street with security, but it's just that Main Street mentality uh, that has been indoctrinated into so many of us that investing locally is not good. You have to go through financial advisors. So we have our work cut out to educate you know, both investors and entrepreneurs. We really do. That's a good point, Tom. And I, we so appreciate that you do that work. And I like the fact that you, you know, what you're saying uh, to entrepreneurs, mission-driven entrepreneurs is really checking out the investor side of it and where you get your investors from is, is really important. And with a group like Angels of Main Street, where there are no income requirements for you to be a member, you can invest as little as $500 a year. It seems like we try to encourage people all the time. You want to know what investors think, stand in their shoes, become one, uh, become an investor 
not just building a company that is focused on carrying out a mission and values, but also understanding the investor side of the equation by becoming one yourself. So the um, in a what advice, I don't, we meet a lot of investors. I don't know very many who are as bold as, as you are to completely divest out of the public markets. But for people who are looking at it from the investment side of things and want to really align with their values, what kind of, what advice would you give to those folks on the other side of the equation? Well, I think they need to just allocate a certain amount of their portfolio to community impact investing, and they need to do their homework. They need to look. And I think a great place to start is community development financial institutions. There's also a company called C-Note where they can move savings that's in a bank or just money or put an investment in C-Note that will, will then be invested in CDFIs that is really making an impact. You know, the bottom line is what's what's our purpose in life and what's the purpose of our money? And too many people have bought into the sacred money and market story that this is all about maximizing return at any cost. And we've we've come to idolize the, our, the markets and the money. David Corton wrote an excellent essay about that, creating a new story for a new economy, which we really need to do. You know, what this market has done is create millions and millions of consumers, and we need to become citizens again and take responsibility and invest locally as well as globally in those businesses and communities that don't have access to capital. It's really our moral responsibility. Wow, Tom, thank you so much for your commitment and being such an inspiration to those who, you know, are, are, are hearing from their financial advisor, oh, you can't do this. It's too scary. I think you just make such a clear case of why it has to be done. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left to reverse some of the things that are going it's, in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's the fear of scarcity that, is, that keeps being driven home to us through conventional markets. Are you going to have enough to retire? You know, if if this person gets X, then you're going to have less. Mm -hmm. and, and that's just not true. You know, it's it's really all about abundance that's out there. And I've found this out, and most people do, the more you give, the more you get in return. And the bottom line is how much is enough? Right. How much do we need? I love it. Thank you so much, Tom. We so appreciate it. And we hope you go to more places to spread the word about what you're doing. It's incredibly important. Well, thank you for what you two are doing and the whole group. So, but we all have to work together. Thank you. Do you have any questions for our securities lawyers and capital raising experts? Call the podcast hotline and leave us a message at 866-552-7726, extension 5.
You can also send other inquiries to podcast at jennycasson.com. We'd love to hear from you. Music for the Capital Insight Podcast is still searching by Damon Criswell via Audio Hero. Thank you for listening to Capital Insight with Jenny Casson and Michelle Timish. Until next time.